0: Can we say amen to that again? It's good to be back. It's good to see the church so full. And uh, I really don't like to be gone from church too much. Every time I'm gone one Sabbath, I don't see you all for a whole month. So uh, it's really good to be back and see all of you again. Um, Today, we're going to take a break from the book of John, and we're going to study something in relation to our upcoming evangelism. And uh, I hope that this will exhort you and encourage you along the way. But before we get into the message, let's bow our heads once more for a word of prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you again because we realize that you are the source of all wisdom. And I pray that you would please grant us the spirit of wisdom to speak to each of our hearts, to enlighten our minds, to convict us, to convert us, To lift us up higher, to unite all of us here together. Lord, we need your spirit more than ever. May you please guide us and lead us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. This is where we're going to begin this morning. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And we're starting in verse 30. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, this is what the Bible says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is what? Is wise. It takes a wise person to win a soul to God. You know, you can't buy souls with money. You can't bribe them with flattering offers. You can't force them into submission or even scold them. You can't drive them, even though it might be easier sometimes, isn't it? But no matter what age, no matter what experience, a soul must always be one to God. But friends, how can we be wise? How can we have that wisdom That we might be able to win a soul to Jesus. Let's go over in our Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and I want you to turn to these two texts this morning. I want you to see them with your own eyes before we go to the slides. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, it answers that question that we're asking How can we be wise? How can we have that wisdom that we might learn to bring a soul? To God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Friends, what is it that makes us wise? It is the Bible. And so really, God has given us the Bible for two reasons at least. We can see number one that we can be wise unto salvation, that our own souls for starters can be saved. But the second reason is that we might learn how to get others to share in this same salvation. So the 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 scriptures and the Bible that is given to us is not just so that we can be saved. Yes, that is important nonetheless. However, it's also that we might have that wisdom to save others as well, that they can share that same blessedness as we were studying in Romans this morning, that same blessedness that God gives us through His Word as well. And you know, you might be saying, look, Timothy at an early start, um, from a child, the Bible says, he knew the Scriptures, his mother and his grandmother, devout people of God, raise them up to be a holy man of God, one to serve others. And you might say, look, I, I don't have such a privilege, but you know what? Not all Adventist homes are raised with the Scripture as the center of their home. Do you know that? So, don't, don't think that maybe, oh, my parents are not Christian or Adventist. I'm at a disadvantage. No, nobody is at a disadvantage. God knows what He's doing, and uh, don't think it's always an advantage. But friends, no matter where we are and what stage of life we're at, this at least I know for sure, you're here this morning, is not too late, amen? We can begin on the path of understanding and reading and knowing the Scriptures today, where we are, and where we sit this morning. But you know, more than anything else, the wisest choice a person can make is being a soul winner. And I'm not saying, oh, you got to all get into ministry. No. But the wisest choice that any person can make is to be a soul winner. You know why? Daniel 12, 3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You want to be a superstar? Win a soul to Jesus, amen? It's not having your your face all over YouTube and uh, on the internet and in the news is not winning uh, Malaysia's Got Talent. Is there such a thing? I don't know. But uh, that's not what it means to be a star in the eyes of God, to be counted high in the eyes of God. Guess what? They that turn many to righteousness are going to be stars in heaven. And you know what? Everybody in heaven is a star. Why? Look, last day events, page 282, paragraph three, there will be no one saved in heaven with a what? Starless crown. Every one of us will have stars when we get to heaven. If you enter, there will be some soul in the courts of glory that has found an entrance there through your instrumentality. And look, everybody, in fact, in heaven will be a star. And look, sometimes, you know, some people, they use this quote to frighten us. Look, if you don't win a soul to, to God, you're not going to heaven. That's the, that's the negative side of the coin, and that's what people try to, try to do to get people to come to the evangelism. Oh, you better bring a friend, or else you're going to be lost. But you know, there is also a positive side to this that many of us don't realize, Christ has guaranteed us success. Do you know that? Christ has guaranteed us success, and He will personally help us to fulfill this. He's not going to say, Oh, if you don't have a star, you don't get into heaven, and I'm not going to help you. Go figure it out yourself. No. Christ has given us that promise through this quote. Don't look at it as a requirement. Remember, every one of God's biddings is His enablings, and if He has called us to be soul winners, faithful is He that will help us to accomplish that work as well, amen? It's not done in our own strengths, It is through the grace of God and His blessings that He calls us to be soul winners. But here's the thing. Where do we start You know, I believe that many of us, we don't know where to begin to bring a soul to Jesus. And so, this morning, I'm going to share with you just a few little things that will help us and encourage us along the way that we might have a star in our crown as well in heaven one day. Ministry of Healing, page 149, paragraph 1, she writes, many would be willing to work if they were taught how to begin. They need to be instructed and Encouraged. I believe that many of us, we just don't know where to begin. How do I start? How can I be a soul winner? Where can God begin to work through me? Maybe we come from different walks of life and we think, well, I'm in such a situation, there's no way that I could be able to even attend. How can I be a soul winner? Well, friends, for starters, we have to surrender our life to Christ. I think that's a given. If we are to lead a soul to Jesus, we must make sure we are with Jesus in the first place. We're going to make sure that we surrendered our life and said, Lord, I'm wholly yours. But if we are to bring someone, win someone to Jesus, where do we begin? Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, 513, Paragraph 1. Begin what? To pray for souls. Begin what? To pray. You know, friends, every one of us have different life experiences. Even as we all live here in KL, we meet different people all the time. Some of us were in a Chinese community. Some of us were in a Malay community. Some of us were in an Indian community. Even the, the people that we interact with are all so different. And you can begin right now where you are to begin to pray for some soul. Begin to pray. Why? because the unique situation of your life and that person's life demands prayer that me standing over here cannot help you with. We individually have to begin to what? To pray. Job 16 verse 21, oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. We got to learn to come to the throne of grace and mercy and to plead. That key word being the word plead, to beg, to ask of God, to ask earnestly, God, please save this person. Bring this person to the foot of the cross. Help me to know what to say. Let's plead to God. Lord, teach me what it means to plead for my neighbor. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go coal portering with the coal porters under the hot sun. You don't have to be there every night, although I'd love for you to be there. We can begin right now, right where we are. Just close our eyes, and we plead for one person. Friends, I want you to write down somewhere on your phone right, right now, on your pen, and I want you to think of just one name, someone here in KL that you can pray for every day. And pray, Lord, you got to bring this person to you. you got to lead him to you. And if I can help in any way, you show me. But friends, we can begin by praying. And why is prayer so important for soul winning? What are the benefits to it? Look, I don't know how prayer works. It's just like faith. I don't need to know. I just know when I read in the Bible that a person prays, guess what? Rain falls down. When a person prays, fire comes down. When a person prays, the sun goes backwards or even the sun stands still. I just know that when I read in the Bible and a person prays, something mighty happens. Do you know that? And so we can begin by praying. But why is prayer so important, especially to you and me? And I know that we can get into this a whole lot, but I want to present to you just two simple reasons. Number one, it increases our desire for it. You know, sometimes we pray, Lord, please help me with my exam, or please help me, I need some money, or please, Lord, I need a job, I'm just about to graduate. And we begin to pray and we plead with God, you know what, it gives us a greater desire, for that very thing that we're praying for. Do you know that? And so, number one, it's the way that God gives us a great desire for another person, a love for another person. But not just that. It also convicts us where? In our own personal life. As we begin to pray for people We begin to look for ways on how we can reach that person and and talk to that person, or or maybe we're looking at how our prayers are being answered in this person's life, but as a result, as we look at there, we also look at our own life to see what God is maybe not doing as a result of our life. God, why are you not answering my prayer? I've been praying for the past one month. And through those prayers, as we get on our knees and we plead earnestly for people, God says, Ben… The reason why I can't answer this yet is because of this reason, something in your life. And so, even as we begin to pray, guess what? It personally helps us to grow as well. It helps us to come up higher because through prayer, God convicts us of personal and pet sins in our life. Friends, you want to grow? You want to grow in grace? Learn to pray for your neighbor. For somebody else, someone that is more than just your family and your friends, someone that maybe is your work colleague or, or someone you see every day or every week. Pray for the person that you, uh, and, and I'm sure there are all of us, we, we can't somehow do this. You know, we, we all have this sort of a habit of where we always fill up petrol. Do you know that? Anybody who has cars, you always fill up at the petrol station at the same place, same petrol station. No, no one's like this. Yeah, there's quite a few of us. Why not pray for that person who's at the petrol station? Pray for somebody, and it will begin to also change how you live your life too. Because now, instead of going to the petrol station and uh, just putting your credit card there and pumping and then going, now you go in just to make sure you can say hi to the person. It begins to change you not just in the sinful way and what we need to change, but even in those areas where we will go out of our way just to find that one person. So, friends, we got to begin to pray. And I want to ask you just to pray for just one person. Don't think about two, three, five, ten. Just think about the one person that you want to bring to the Lord as well. Why? Why? Christ's Object Lessons 196, paragraph 4. At the foot of the cross, remembering that for one sinner, how many? One. One sinner, Christ would have laid down His life. You may estimate the value of a soul. Do you know how important one person is to God? Do you understand the value of that one person? even if there was only one sinner, Christ would have still come to die for that person. This is the value that God places upon one person. I want you to remember this. How important is one single soul to God? And let's begin to pray. But you know what? After praying, what can we do next? Surely, there's more to this, right? You're not going to just leave us hanging. Yes, there's importance of prayer meeting and all these things. Our leadership, we've actually started a prayer chain as well. From, I think, about 5 a.m. until 1 a.m. every day for the past few weeks already, there have been people that have been praying throughout each hour, for the evangelist, for the location, for the people in KL, for our program, for our team, for everything. We've been praying. And if you want to begin and join us, set a time, put a reminder on your phone and and say, I got to pray at this hour, every day until this evangelist begins, just for one person, just for one. Begin to pray. But what next? After prayer, what can we do next? Psalms 126, verses 5 to 6, the Bible says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In this text, there is much that we can break down here, but I want to focus on that part of the beginning of verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth. You know, if we are to win souls, we can't just stay in the comfort zone of where we are. We have to go beyond our own personal boundary. We're going to go beyond our own personal walls of our home. We're going to get out maybe of our comfort zone. Yes, there are maybe people and souls that need to be won within our families. I'm not discounting that fact. However, in order to go out, we must make sure we're not wrapped up in our own world. You know, the human life is naturally selfish. Do you know that? We naturally look inwards. We think about my life, my house, my money, my family, my studies, my work. We think about all these things and on a daily basis, many of us pray for me, myself, and I. And we don't just stop there. We pray for our families and my brother, my sister, his wife, his her husband. We pray for their children. We pray for our parents. We pray for a lot of people, but it's still within our little bubble. If we are to finish the work of God, we got to go forth we got to go beyond our own self, our own home, our own time, our own desires, our own plans. We have to go beyond our own wishes. we got to go beyond what we love to do and what we love to eat and where we love to spend our time and even make sure what time, even in the relation of what time we sleep or what time we wake up. If we are to win souls for Jesus, we have to go forth. We got to get out of our comfort zone. Do you know how I know? Just consider the man Jesus Christ. What did it take for him to win a soul? And, you know, it's not just sometimes going beyond your own selfish desires and putting away bad things. Yes, that is a given, but sometimes we even have to put away the good things in life just to win a soul. When Jesus came to earth, what bad thing did He put away in order to come to earth? Nothing. There was nothing bad in heaven. And for Jesus to come and win a soul to the kingdom of heaven, He had to give away or put away everything that was good. Do you understand that? Sometimes when we look at this, it's like, oh, you want to win a soul to Jesus? You got to be committed. You got to love God. You got to put away sin. But we are now going to the next level, my dear friends. Sometimes we got to put away something good. In what sense? Spending time with your children, your wedding anniversary, a dinner with the extended family when everyone flies in. This happens every year, do you know that? I don't know why, it just happens. Every single year we have our evangelistic series is the time when my wife, her her side of the family, her dad. When her grandmother, grandfather passed away, he said, please, if there's anything I want you all to do, 11 brothers and sisters, I want you to come together once a year just to eat together. And it always falls on evangelism time. So I've got a choice to make. Is it bad to go to the dinner? No. If we are to win a soul to Christ, sometimes we have to deny ourselves even of the good things. To earning that extra dollar, to getting that extra hour of sleep, Sonny to not playing badminton. He's addicted to badminton. He needs help. Is there anything wrong with doing that? No. But if we are to lead a soul to Jesus, we've got to learn to go forth deny ourselves not of only the bad things, but even of those things that are good. That was the example that Jesus left for us. That is the reason why so few people are successful soul winners, because we pray. And after we prayed, we know that the power of God will be stirred up Yes, people will be convicted, but we forget that it requires even doing of things that we don't enjoy sometimes. Look, I didn't realize that this was such a big issue until I started having a team of Bible workers, and sometimes, you know, these Bible workers, they would come to me and say, "'Pastor, I just don't like going shopping.'" And, and, and it's like they got a ball and a chain around their leg, you know. Ah, i got to go shopping with this friend, you know. Walk around the shopping center and, and, and act like I enjoy shopping. And sometimes we don't like it. It's a sacrifice, you know what I mean? And then we begin to hate Bible work. If this is what Bible work is, I have to do all the things that I don't like. Forget it. I'm not called to it. But you know, friends, winning a soul is not always doing what you love. Christ denied himself, he humbled himself even to the point of death. He could, he could have taken that authority and the name. Don't call me just Jesus. Do you know who you're talking to? I'm God in the flesh. he didn't. He laid aside his position. He put aside his glory. He put aside the adoration of angels. And even when the angels were ready to come and strike the Roman soldiers dead, Jesus said, stop. And he denied himself even to the point of death. You know, friends, if we are to be soul winners… We got to get to the place where we're not willing just to give up that which is bad, but even that which is good. I want to remind you of a story in the Bible a story of a young man, a story of a young ruler. He listened to the words of Jesus as Jesus walked, as Jesus taught, as he lived. This young ruler in his heart was stirred up these feelings and desires of a better life and to be a better person, and even to that point, to be a soul winner. He was convicted when he saw Jesus preaching, when he saw Christ blessing the children. He himself desired to have an audience with Christ, and he came and he asked, in the very words that we see there, he asked this one thing, Lord, what can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus, you know, He looked upon the young man, and he saw a soul winner. He saw the stars that this man could have in his crown. He saw the people and influence that this man could have to bring many souls to Jesus. But before he could say, come, follow me, he says, if you'll be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And then, come, follow me. Do you see that? He says, go. Go and break through that self and those selfish desires and that self-living and self-serving. If you are to follow me, you've got to go and sell all that you have. That which is making you the most selfish in your heart now friends, is it a sin to be rich? No. Is it a sin to have many possessions? No. When Jesus was saying go and sell all that you have, he was not doing uh, telling this young man that you got to get rid of your sins. No. But he told this young man, you have to get out of the bubble of all your riches, of all your comfort, of all that makes you comfortable in this life, and that stops you from considering the souls that are dying every single day. He says, go. And what? Take up the cross and follow me. You know, friends, there is no other way to follow Jesus except to take up the cross. This is not just about salvation, but the salvation of other souls hang in the balance in what we do with our own life as well. What happened to this man? In Matthew 19.22, it says, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had many possessions. We don't know exactly what happened in that psyche of that man, but maybe as he looked at Jesus, this man, travel worn, poor garments, he didn't look like someone of great authority. How could Jesus relate to me? He doesn't understand what it means to have so much. Maybe even Jesus, Jesus is jealous. Maybe indirectly when He says, go sell all that you had, maybe He's thinking, Donate to my ministry. We don't know exactly what happened in that man's mind, but we know that because of those possessions, he was not willing to give up everything just to be a sole winner for Jesus. Friends, do you know that the coal porters face this, face this every day? Peter's the only one that I know that loves coal portering. I've never seen a man get this excited about call portering before. I've done call portering. I did it for 10 weeks. It was my requirement when I was in school, and let me tell you, I couldn't wait for it to be over. And I don't blame you, students and the Bible workers, when you're counting out on the days. Five days left. I don't blame you. That's exactly what I did. I dreaded every day and every hour, but you know what? It's through experiences like this that you have to deny self, deny your feelings, deny those thoughts of, I didn't sign up for this, I'm a full-paying student, I don't need to do this. Every day, maybe, you think about the fact of, should I throw out an excuse? Trust me. I had excuses when I was carportering. I even told the leader, you know, when it hits dark, I grow horns. (laughs) People wonder, what is this man doing on my doorstep at nine o'clock at night? That's the time we carported up to in the U.S. I had all sorts of excuses. You know, my, my leader was very generous. She's like, okay, you stay in the car. And as I saw all the other young people get out, I felt ashamed that went out as well. to win one soul what does it take you know people think as a pastor you're doing everything that you love but you know what the work of the ministry isn't all about doing everything that you love do you know that do i need to go visit that person do i have to give that bible study i'm so tired it's my kid's birthday should i would anybody know There's a lot of self-denial that goes on if we are to win one soul to Jesus. But you know, friends, like the rich young ruler, when we make excuses, we miss the golden opportunity when Jesus says, come, follow me. This is the reason why many of our young people, they just run after the things of the world. They try this pleasure and that activity, and uh, they run with that person and that person. You know Why? Because just like the rich young ruler, they have this same hidden hunger in their heart and they don't know how to satisfy it, but yet they're not willing to come out of their shell and give it a try. Friends, if we are to finish this work at last, there needs to be self-denial. Denial and sacrifice of your time. Yes, From your work, earn a little bit less and give more to God. Denial of your family, and yes, go out one night a week and give a Bible study. Denial of yourself, just to attend some church activity that I can bring my friend there with me. This young man, he had this desire in his heart. That's why he came to Jesus at the very beginning. And friends, I know that that's the reason why you're here this morning as well. God places that desire in all of our hearts, and the ultimate satisfaction is when we can deny self for the sake of others. You know, friends, Psalms 126 is a promise. It says that he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, without a doubt, this will happen. There will be a rich harvest of souls that as you have sowed with tears, the Bible said, you shall reap with joy, and you shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, more rejoicing than when you see the the number on your paycheck, more rejoicing than the sort of grade you will see on your final exam, more rejoicing than when you face somebody face to face at the marriage altar and say, I do, there will be more joy and more rejoicing than any of that. But it comes with self-denial first. Messages to young people, 227, paragraph 2, the work above all work, the business above all others which shall draw and engage the energies of the soul is the work of what? Saving souls for whom Christ has died. My dear friends, Make this the main, the important work of your life. Make it your special life work. What is to be my work? It's to be a soul winner. His name was William Carey. He was what you called a cobbler in England. He fixed shoes. He shined shoes. That was his job. And you know, in his shop, he had on the wall this big and large world map. And people that would come into his shop would always ask him, what was this map all about? Why do you have this big map on the wall? And his answer was always this. My business is to win souls. I cobble shoes to pay expenses. Later on, he became the great missionary to India. God sent him off to the far country, and, uh, you know, finally he had his dream fulfilled. But friends, what is your job? What do you consider as your calling? I want to remind you again today that the work that you're engaged in that earns you money is your second job. It's your second calling that's not what God calls you to be. That's not your first work. The first work that calls you to be, friends, this is just a little girl. She's got two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. She's human, just like you and me. Amen? I see all the eyes like, you all look like you saw an alien. But I don't want you to miss this point, and this is the main reason of why I'm preaching this sermon, friends. Whatever job that you're engaged in right now that's earning you money is your second job. Your first work is to win souls. Whatever job you thought that God blessed you with, whatever position you're in, that's just to pay the expenses. That's just to keep you alive. You understand that? What the first work that God has called all of us to do is to engage in the winning of souls. And it's worth it. You will doubtless come again with rejoicing. There will be a rich reward. As we close, I want to take you back to the scenes of Galilee as Jesus was walking along that beach as he walked along and he saw the fishermen in the boat and he's talking to these fishermen and he sees Peter, James, and John and Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you what? Fishes of men. Jesus says, if you're to follow me today, this is what you're going to be. You're not going to be rich. You're not going to have all the money in the world. You're not going to be the smartest person in the world. You're going to be a fisher of men. This is what you can expect when you come to Jesus. This is what you can expect if you're willing to follow Him today. And so, I've asked this group to just sing a little special music, and it's not about soul winning. It's about a heart, because I think more than ever, where the change needs to happen today is right here, and whether we're willing to give God everything. And so, please, consider the words of this song as we listen to it now. Thank you. Is that your prayer? Do you really believe that all that you have belongs to God? That all our life is His? Are you really willing to say with me this morning, Lord, take my all. My all is Thine. I'm willing to lay everything on the altar of sacrifice, not just for the sake of my own salvation. For the sake of someone else's. That some person will be in the courts of glory because of my sacrifice. Dear friends, what will it be? What decision do we have to make today? Beyond the sins that so often tempt us, but what is that that we're still holding back from God today? Friends, I urge you and I plead with you To say, Lord, take it. It belongs to You. It doesn't belong to me. My life is not mine own. Everything that You've blessed me with must be used for Your glory. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Lord, You know so well the condition of our hearts. You know our varied experiences. More than anything, Lord, you know that we love you. Now, Father, I pray that you'd make that adjustment in our hearts and minds. Help us to realize that all that we have in our homes, in our bank accounts, in our cupboards, everywhere, none of that belongs to us. You've blessed us with it, and you want us to use this means for your glory, that the whole world might come to know of your love. And so, Father, please, Help us break through that barrier of selfishness. Help us to open our eyes to see all those that are around us that need our help. And I pray that You lead us to the right people. Help us, Lord, to begin by praying and then by willing to give our all to Thee. Bless us now, we pray. As we go forth from this place, Lord, help us to look forward to that time that we can see You again in the clouds of glory with all our friends and our family, because the sacrifices that we've made now will be worth it. So, thank You, Lord, once again. We give our lives to You in full surrender. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.